In the five weeks since I started here, I found myself falling into some familiar patterns during the week already. For example, I like to come on Saturday evenings just as dusk is setting and practice my sermons in the calm of this sanctuary. Light coming through our stained glass windows settles on the empty pews and their shadows become my listeners. I run through my lines two or three times, checking for time and pace. I leave just as darkness falls. And instead of leaving through the side door, the one out by the office, the one by the parking lot, I leave through the front door, the big red doors that for me mark this place as an Episcopal church. Now one of my earliest memories of the Episcopal church were those red doors. Bloomington, Indiana, which is home to my college alma mater, Indiana University, has Trinity Episcopal Church. And it's a large, imposing limestone building that sits at a busy pedestrian intersection. The architecture and sun-bleached limestone make the red door particularly prominent. And every time I walked by, I wondered about those doors. Why red doors on a church? Why the red doors? And we at St. Peter's are blessed with not just one, but two sets of red doors. What do they mean? Now, the Episcopal Church archives have a number of reasons for red doors. And the funniest one, I thought, is the tradition the doors stay red until the church pays off its mortgage. <laughs> so, if you travel across the country checking out our sister churches, you might get the idea that we as a church are pretty lousy money managers. <laughs> Another explanation is the red is the fire of the Holy Spirit, the same fire that rested above the apostles on Pentecost, the fire we celebrate at the altar candles and on Christmas Eve and at the Easter Vigil, the fire of connection, of the holy, the fire that brings us together each week. And my favorite explanation is the red doors follow the tradition that in the early days of the church, they signified a place of safety and refuge. For example, a soldier could not pursue an enemy who had entered through the red doors of a church. Red doors told of holy ground behind them, protecting people from both spiritual, or physical and spiritual evil. Red doors signify a safe place, a refuge, a sanctuary. Now, in our cottage meetings these past few weeks where I'm meeting with you, and as well as my conversations one-on-one -on -one with many of you, I've been struck by how much St. Peter's is a refuge, a safe place, a sanctuary. That you either found this place after years of being told how to think, how to act, how to believe, and you take refuge in the relative freedom of belief that St. Peter's offers or you help create this safe place, this sanctuary, where you meet with like-minded, loving folks who can let your guard down and can let your guard down for a while. You can relax before you head back into an environment where you have to watch what you say or watch what you think. And over and over again, I heard how this place, this community, is a refuge, an escape from what's out there. The psalm this week, Psalm 23, speaks of a safe place, a sanctuary. It tells us how, even in the midst of darkness and turmoil, we fear no evil. Now, if you're like me, hearing the psalm in the version that we read sounds a little strange, like, like they made some mistakes. I'm so accustomed to the King James Version 
that this one sounds like something's wrong, that it's in error. And it's our familiarity with the psalm, despite its strange language of maketh and leadeth and restoreth and, and of its yeas and thous, it's our familiarity that I think can mask the rich theological underpinning of Psalm 23. And above all, it's about God's relationship to us. We are as sheep, and we don't have to do anything but revel in our sheepiness. God's doing the work. God does the restoring. He does the leading. We simply enjoy the tranquility of the still waters as we doze off. This is about God's grace, given to us freely simply because we are God's creation when we follow God. And there's more. It's also about God's abundance. We simply sit at the table, surrounded by our enemies, who may be those people who think differently than we do, and God anoints us and feeds us and gives us to drink. We look forward to the goodness and mercy all our lives while we dwell in the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is our safe place, our sanctuary, our refuge. But this is no imagined utopia, no place disconnected from the realities of the world. The psalm is not about what happens after our life, but what happens during this life. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. This psalm recognizes that things can get pretty bleak, pretty dark. This psalm understands that immigrant children are still being held captive at the borders, separated from their parents, despite promises to the contrary. This psalm understands that a narcissistic leader can sell out his own people as he adores a Russian head of state. This psalm understands that racism and sexism can thrive in a place where leaders cite scripture to keep people and gender under control. This psalm understands that the Son of God can be hung on a cross, crucified, and buried. This psalm understands darkness. And it asks us, how much do we trust God? How much do we, in spite of all the apparent evidence to the contrary, how much do we trust that God is in control? This psalm is controversial, for it asks us to be sheep in the valley of the shadow of death, to be sheep at the table of our enemies, to let God be our shepherd. If you've ever heard this psalm preached before, chances are you've heard how nasty sheep can be and how they are dirty and dumb and eat pretty much anything. And Martin Luther, 500 years ago, recommended that the pastor go hang out with some sheep before preaching. I didn't do that. But what I think we get from this psalm is that sheep are communal animals. They are at their best, their ultimate sheepliness, when they are together. They hunger for leadership, for a shepherd to guide them. Only when they are together and well-led do they relax. Only then can they be sheep. Being a sheep doesn't mean not doing anything, but it means being together and trusting, fully trusting, that God has this. In his 2004 article on Augustine and the Psalms, Archbishop Rowan Williams argues that for Augustine, the Psalms tell a unified story of the soul, specifically that the Psalms represent, quote, the unifying of the divine and human voice in Christ, end quote. Put another way, the voice, the speaker in the Psalms, is the fully human and fully divine Christ. 
Now Psalm 22, the one preceding this, opens with the very words that Jesus cries out from the cross. Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani. Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus goes through the crucible of death and abandonment in Psalm 22. And here in Psalm 23, we might say we find him, we find Jesus in relative calm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. We find Jesus trusting in God. We see Jesus' faith in God in dark times as he proclaims, And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. For many of us, these are indeed dark times. Whether it's the meanness of the political climate or the sins committed on our behalf against immigrant children or women or people of color or those different from us, whether it's personal struggles with health or addiction or relationships, times can seem dark. Our beloved Psalm 23 can help rescue us from this darkness. It calls us to trust, really trust that God is at work even in this. It calls us to come together as the beloved sheep of God and trust that God is our shepherd and we shall not want. To come together and trust in the abundance that God offers for all of us, that our cups will runneth over. The psalm calls us to come together in the house of the Lord and have mercy and goodness all our lives in the sanctuary, the safe place, the refuge of the house of the Lord. A sanctuary just like St. Peter's. In dark times, let's come together as the loving, welcoming, inclusive community that we are. Let's welcome those we know and those we don't into this safe place, this refuge that is St. Peter's. So when we go back out into the darkness, into what might seem like desperate times, we trust, fully trust that God is at work bringing about mercy and goodness all of the days of our lives. Amen.